The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is indeed from Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and can be found on page 1499 of your Pew Bible. Matthew records, In those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children of for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. On this second Sunday of Advent, we are going to discuss what it meant uh, to those that received that bitter welcome, if you will, from John the Baptist when he said, you brood of vipers. So just so you know, that's the audience that he was speaking to. We get to listen in to the conversation. He's not calling you a brood of vipers, okay? Okay. There are uh, several proverbs, several sayings, several words of wisdom that we have come across in our lives that speak about 
acquiring skill or knowledge through practice. Perhaps you've heard someone say, practice makes perfect, right? Or repetition is the mother of learning. And these things are good as far as they go, but they are incomplete. For example, practice and repetition only work if they are the right kind of practice and the right kind of repetition. Perhaps these words of wisdom need an update to something like this. Perfect practice makes perfect. Or proper repetition is the mother of learning. The fact of the matter is this, is that you can create some really wretched habits if you practice or repeat the wrong thing. Whenever we gather information, receive information, it is probably wise to remember another proverb about learning the wrong thing. And that is, if you tell a lie often enough and loud enough, most people will believe it as truth. That was the problem for the Pharisees and the Sadducees who came to John the Baptist at the Jordan. Both the Pharisees and the Sadducees practiced their religions diligently. Both of them intensely studied the books of Moses. Both of them knew their religion very, very well. Now the problem, the problem was that they had repeated the wrong things and practiced in the wrong ways. We've talked about the Pharisees and the Sadducees before. The Pharisees had detuned the law by developing the tradition of the elders. That is a set of principles that allowed them to think that they were keeping the law when they were not. And the Sadducees, well, they detuned the law by teaching that there was no eternal existence, no resurrection, no life after death, and so forth. So if there is no existence after death, then there is no punishment after death. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees often had very spirited debates over their differences. But there is one thing on which they could agree, and that is there is no need for repentance. The Pharisee would say that there is no need for repentance because we can work our way into God's good favor. And the Sadducee would say that we don't need to repent because it doesn't make any difference, that there is no eternal punishment. So why repent? The Pharisees and the Sadducees agreed on something else as well. They put a great deal of pride 
into their family tree. They were descendants of Abraham. And they believed that they already had been grafted into Abraham's covenant through circumcision. And at the root of their problem is the attitude that God loves them just because they're so special. They had just come up with some religious and cultural teachings and rituals that reinforced these beliefs. And that attitude of believing that, make, that God loves us just because we are so special is, is really common to all mankind. That means that you and I have to deal with this problem as well. If you were to ask someone why we should take them seriously, he or she might say, well, I have been a member for X number of years. I have served on such and such committees and such and such boards. I have contributed to this and that and the other thing. And besides all of that, my grandfather is a founding member. Now, such a statement might carry a lot of weight if it is someone who is running for public office. It might carry a lot of weight in the Chamber of Commerce. But such a statement means nothing in the presence of God. And therefore, it means nothing within the Holy Christian Church. John the Baptist preached the true attitude that we should have. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, in classical Greek, the word repent, it deals with remorse. The remorse a person has when they realize that they've made a mistake that cannot be undone. A modern example that I can give you, and it's awful, but it, it hits the mark. A modern example would be this, a hunting accident. Someone thought that they were shooting a deer, but it turned out to be a child playing in the woods. Repentance was a profound wish to take back, to turn back the clock, to undo what was done. Repentance was uh, wanting and wishing to have a do-over, even to wish the evil had befallen yourself instead of the other person. There is sadness. There is guilt. There is remorse. And there is despair. Now the tragedy of classical Greek is that it had no concept of a remedy. There is no turning back the clock. There's no undoing what was done. And unlike sports, there are no do-overs in life. What's done is done. And it cannot, it cannot be undone. And when we first hear the call to repent from the mouth of John the Baptist, it doesn't sound like much of a remedy, does it? He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Even now, 
the axe is laid to the root of the trees. And every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John the Baptist is telling us that our sins are worse than we think they are. He is telling us that all sins, not just the sins that fill us with remorse, but all sins deserve the judgment of being cut down like firewood and tossed into a fire. And the fire that he is speaking of is not just some little campfire. He uh, is talking about the fire of eternal punishment. He is speaking of hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And at first, it seems as though repentance should not only be full of despair, but it should also be full of terror, terror of the eternal punishment that we so truly deserve. And even so, there is hope in in John's words, because he proclaims this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and the kingdom of heaven is none other than the reign of Christ. The Christ has been carrying the sins of the world from the womb, but soon the Christ will reveal himself in a public way. Soon the Christ will come and add something profound to the meaning of repentance. He will add a second part to repentance, and that second part will be faith, a faith that looks to God for a remedy from the despair and the terror of our sin. The reign of Christ is unlike any other reign. He does not ask you to serve him, but he comes to serve you. He serves you with the remedy for sin, that is, with with his holy, innocent life that he produced the righteousness that you need for your salvation. And then he lifted the terror, the despair, and the guilt of your sin away from you and from me, and he replaced it with the righteousness that he earned. Luther called that the great exchange. He bore your sin to the cross, and there he embraced the despair, the guilt and the terror of God's wrath against your sin. And it is in his battle for you on the cross that Christ reveals the true essence of his reign and the true essence of the kingdom of heaven. There on the cross, he battled for you. And as he revealed the fullness of his reign with his death on the cross, he continued his reign over all things by rising from the dead. The kingdom of heaven includes the promise of the resurrection from the dead to life everlasting. Christ reigns for you forever. Now, 
Repentance has a new, fuller meaning. It is not just the recognition of your sin along with its sadness and its guilt and its remorse and its despair or even its terror. Instead, it also includes the promise of grace through the gospel. And Christian repentance turns you away. It turns you away from yourself and your sin, and it points you to Jesus on the cross. And there you see that the kingdom of heaven is there for your forgiveness. It is there to give you the eternal life and salvation that comes along with that forgiveness. We now repent. We now repent in certainty that there is forgiveness for us in and through Christ Jesus. Advent, Advent is the time of coming. John the Baptist tells us that it is the kingdom of heaven that is coming. He also tells us that repentance is the proper preparation for the coming of the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, Advent is the time of year when we remember that our whole life, our whole life is to be a life of repentance that looks to Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. It is in the name of Jesus. Amen.